You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. This morning we continue on into our study on prayer. We're really beginning to get into the home stretch of prayer. We've spent about two months talking about prayer. We, back in January, defined what prayer is. We defined prayer as personal communication with God. That you and I, through prayer, have an individual personal audience with the God of the universe through prayer. We talked about how prayer works, that through the death of Jesus Christ, we as believers in Jesus have gained direct access to God. There's not any spiritual hoops that we have to jump through in prayer, that because of the work of Christ on the cross, we have direct access to God through prayer. We've talked about how we should pray. We talked about praying in the will of God, that we should pray according to his will and to his plan. We talked about the importance of how we pray in Jesus' name, that we pray in the authority of Christ. We had a few weeks ago, we had a prayer service where we prayed for a whole service. We, yes, we sang, we, we read some scripture, but we prayed as a faith family. And in the last few weeks, we've been talking about four important elements to prayer. The first element of prayer that we've talked about is adoration. That prayer is an act of worship. That when we pray, we worship God. We adore Him for who He is. And so we do that in prayer. When we pray, we need to be praising God for his holiness, praising God for his sovereignty, praising God for being the creator of all things, and on down the list of the different attributes of God. We need to praise God and adore him, tell God why we worship him, why we love him. Last week, we talked about confession, That a second key element to prayer is confession. That prayer is a key element and ingredient to a relationship with God. And so if there is sin in our lives, that our relationship with God is not going to be on track. That because of God's holiness, God cannot tolerate sin. And so if we approach God in prayer and we have sin in our lives, yes, God can hear us. But there's something off track there. And so we talked about the need that when we pray, we need to confess our sins to God, ask for forgiveness, take ownership of our, of our sin, that really when we confess in prayer, we recant or renounce our sin. We call sin how God sees it. We agree with God on our sin, and we confess that. But we also saw that in confession, we need to, yes, ask, confess our sins before God, but also before one another, and how that helps the unity of the church, and it helps bond us together as we confess our sins to one another. Well, this week... And you may have been able to guess it by the songs we sang this morning and by the scripture readings we had. We're going to be talking about the third, a third key important element to prayer is thanksgiving. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4 with me this morning. Philippians chapter 4. I really enjoy the book of Philippians. Maybe one day we will walk verse by verse through Philippians, but Philippians is a very helpful book. It's very practical. Paul paints a beautiful picture of the Christian life when he says in Philippians 1, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in my opinion, it's just my opinion, so take it for whatever it's worth. In my opinion, that is the height of sanctification here on earth where we'd say, listen, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is I profit, I gain by dying. And so Paul says that in Philippians 1 and and Philippians 2, he talks about Christian humility by holding up the, the, the example of Christ and Christ coming to this earth as a, as a, uh, as a, in the form of a servant in the likeness of man. And he came and he died for us on the cross. Paul then in Philippians 3 talks about how everything that was gained to him was considered lost because of Christ. So it's all about Jesus, Paul says in Philippians 3. And then in here in Philippians 4, Paul kind of begins to close out his letter in a very uh, schizophrenic Paul way, as I can has how I would describe it. So we're going to look at this in Philippians chapter 4, and Paul hits on this of praying with thanksgiving. So look at verse 2 then. Paul says, I urge Eudodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the peace of God will be with you. So Paul here writes to the church in Philippi. He commands them to rejoice in the Lord always. He's saying, he says it again. He repeats himself. What does he say? Rejoice. So Paul is talking about that there is, this is a direct command and in the inspiration of Scripture that we need to rejoice in all things in life. Now, obviously, and Paul knew this, Paul knew hardship, Paul knew persecution and difficulty, but Paul still said to rejoice. And then he goes on to say, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, he says, through what? Prayer. 
in everything through prayer and petition, and we'll talk about that next week, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he says, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So here's the reality for you and I as followers of Jesus. Life is hard. Life is hard. Life is not fair. Life is difficult. And sometimes in our spiritualized psychology and not through the help of the prosperity gospel movement, we have this idea that God wants us to be healthy and wealthy and happy. That if we have a relationship with God, that God will then just bless us with a lot of things. That is a dangerous theology. And here's why that's a dangerous theology. Because you and I are going to go through difficulty. We're going to go through sickness. We're going to go through loss. We're going to go through brokenness. It's just a reality of this broken, fallen world. And so if we teach that, that God wants us to be happy, healthy, and wealthy, then what we are doing is we are setting God up to fail. And we're missing an opportunity to see that God uses difficulty in our life to teach us more about him. When God takes us through difficulty, when God takes us through trial, tribulation, and persecution, that is an act of love and grace in our lives. Here's why. Because in verse 6, Paul says, don't worry about anything. How many of you, confession time, all right, we talked about confession. We need to confess our sins and faults before one another. How many of you, by nature, are a worrier? Like you just, you worry, okay? I'm that way. I, I think we're all that to differing degrees in the different situations in our lives. We're worriers. Welcome to 2020. It's an election year, right? We've got a nice little virus going, along, uh, going around, right? There's a lot to worry about, Potentially. But here is the beauty of the God that we have a relationship with and we have direct access to God with. He is sovereign. He is in complete control. So it doesn't matter who's going to be in the White House. It doesn't matter who, what virus is the name of the, the year this year. God is in control. And what Paul writes here, he says, don't worry about anything. Because here's what happens when we worry. We are beginning to say, God, I am sovereign. You're not. So in reality, the problems of this world and this life are not our problem. God is in control. And so he says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So a key piece to praying is thanksgiving. 
So when we pray with thanksgiving and we thank God for his goodness, his grace in our lives, for what he has done for us, we are then saying, God, everything in life is from you. So there naturally, there's nothing to worry about. So a spirit of thanksgiving through prayer, it cultivates a heart of dependence in us in God, that we depend on God. We are needy, and we desperately need God. We talked about that earlier in this series on prayer, that God takes us through times and seasons in our lives where all we can do is pray to cultivate and create a heart and spirit of dependence on him. So as we remember this important element in prayer of thanksgiving, and praying with a thankful heart, that too can, that cultivates in us a heart and a heart and dependency on God. Then Paul goes on to continue. He says, verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So when we pray, and we pray with thanksgiving, we then receive a peace that can only come from God that honestly can't be understood. It's hard to explain. And if you've been in that place in your life, you know what I'm talking about. We can experience the peace of God by leaning into him through prayer and praying with thanksgiving. Then I love what Paul says. He says, it will guard our heights, our, our, our heights, our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, that this peace that comes through God, that only this peace can come through a relationship with God this peace guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So as we pray and we pray with thanksgiving, we receive this peace of mind, I guess we could call it, that only comes from God and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't allow our minds to go to those places to where we wring our hands over finances and disease and sickness and politics and everything else in life, that we know that God is sovereign and we are dependent on him and God is always good. When we pray with thanksgiving, we are declaring and preaching to ourselves that God is good. And God is good all the time. See, Satan likes to trick us into thinking that God is good only when things are going well for us. But God's character and his goodness is completely consistent. So God is good all the time. And if Satan can get us to that place of ungratefulness and not being thankful before God, then he can get us to fall into all kinds of temptation. Satan's been doing that since the beginning of time. 
Think about Genesis chapter 3. What happened in Genesis chapter 3? If you're familiar with the story, you may not be, and that's okay. But in Genesis chapter 3, what happened? Our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the Garden of Eden. And how did Satan get them to that place? Satan began to whisper lies into the ears of Eve. And what did he say? Did God really say? Did God really say that you can't eat of this fruit? See, what was Satan moving Eve and Adam into a place of a place of ungratefulness? See, God had created and placed Adam and Eve in the garden there in Genesis chapter 3. God had placed Adam and Eve in that garden with everything they needed. Most of all, him, an untarnished relationship with him. So God provided for them in his, his, his beautiful goodness for them, and Satan attacks that. And he says, did God really say you can't eat of this, this fruit of this tree? And Eve knew God, because what did she say? She said, well, God's given us the, true, the, the, the fruit of every tree to eat in this garden. And then Satan tells her, he's like, well, is God holding out on you? Is God really good? Has God really provided everything you need? And so Satan moves Eve into a place of ungratefulness, a place of forgetting and, be, and being thankful for what God had provided for them and the garden, and so she sins. And faith family, God wants to move, or Satan wants to move us, well, that would have been heretical. Satan wants to move us into a place of ungratefulness. Satan wants to move us into a place of bitterness to where we shake our fists at God and say, does God really have my best interest at my, in mind? Because if God doesn't have my best interest in mind, who has the best interest in mind for me? Myself. So I'm going to live how I'm going to live. And so, faith family, this element of praying with thanksgiving is crucial because as we pray, we remind ourselves and then the Holy Spirit recalls the goodness of God and how he has blessed us and provided for us and that prevents us from falling into sin. I love what Paul goes on to say in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, instead of worrying, as he says up in verse 6, instead of worrying, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, worthy dwell on these things you want something if we want something to fill our minds with paul gives us a list to meditate on things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and as we dwell on these things and we could even apply this as we pray these things. 
we will remember the goodness of God and that we have much to be thankful for. Thanksgiving, like every other aspect of prayer, it should not be mechanical. It shouldn't be mechanical for us to adore and worship God in prayer. It shouldn't be mechanical for us to confess our sin to God. And it shouldn't be mechanical for us to have a grateful heart and praise Him in thanksgiving, where we just say thank you and move on. But when we pray through thanksgiving, it should be us putting words that reflect our hearts of genuine thankfulness. We should never think that thanking God for something in prayer is we're really thanking him to get an answer to something. We don't pray and adore God so we can get something from God. We don't confess our sins so we have a clean slate. We have a clean direct line to God so we can get something from God. We don't pray with thanksgiving so we can get something out of God because that what, and then what that is is we're trying to manipulate God. No, we pray and that we pray and when we pray with thanksgiving, we are putting words that reflect our hearts of genuine thankfulness. When we pray with thanksgiving, it reminds us of the essential nature of prayer. That is, we are totally 100% dependent on God for everything. And then finally, our attitude of thanksgiving and prayer, what that really is, is it's a mirror. And when we pray with thanksgiving, it reflects our understanding of who God is. Because honestly, I think we don't pray with thanksgiving because we really don't have an understanding of who God is. Because as we know God, as we experience God, we will understand who he is and the natural byproduct of understanding and knowing God, a natural byproduct of that is going to be thanksgiving. It will just overflow out of us. It will be natural. And if you're like me, sometimes I have a hard time being grateful and thankful in prayer. So you might be asking yourself, Adam, how do I develop that heart of thanksgiving. I don't mean to be trite in this answer. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. That as we pray, we should ask the Holy Spirit, just as we talked about asking the Holy Spirit last week to reveal sin in our lives so we can confess it. We should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the character of God so we can pray with thanksgiving. As we respond to what we've heard, would you stand with me? We're going to read a prayer of thanksgiving out of Scripture. You'll see the words there on the screen. It comes out of 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 23 through 34. So read this 
with me. It says this, let the whole earth sing to the Lord, proclaim his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods, for all the gods of all the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them exalt. Then the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.